0: Depressing.
1: You're listening to On the Record Online with Eric Schwartzman.
0: Oh, stop the pressing! Hi, this is Michael Butler. I am the host of the Rock and Roll Geek Show, which is a rock and roll podcast. So obviously I know nothing about what I'm going to be talking about today. This is a simulcast episode of On the Record Online and for immediate release. These are two PR sort of vein podcasts. And the people that are in the room with me are obviously me, Michael Butler. I'm here with Neville choice I'm here with Neville Hobson (laughs) Shell Holtz and Eric Schwartzman three Jewish guys and an Italian in the room together how you doing Eric
2: I'm an English Uh, guy I'm I'm,
3: I'm good I'm good Michael how are you thanks for doing this by the way because uh, obviously you know you are a very popular podcaster
0: and uh, we're happy to uh, have you on our shows and I'm honored to be asked to be the host of this special episode and, Neville, how
2: are you? I'm good, Michael. Thank you.
0: And, Shell, thanks for coming. My pleasure. Thrilled to be here. Yeah, definitely. And I see Shell at the San Francisco Podcasters Meetup all the time, or occasionally. He's a very busy man, so sometimes he's there. And I'm the organizer of the meetup, and it's always nice to see the big wigs there like Shell. I'm still waiting for Eric to come up to it.
3: You know, if if I can, I because these guys don't know, I'd like to tell the story about how, how we met. Absolutely. So, um... Those of you uh, uh, who don't know, I run a software company called iPressroom. And uh, we launched podcast hosting and RSS feed generation in January 2005. Mm-hmm. And we were going to unveil it at a trade show. And uh, we didn't have any way to demonstrate it because, no, we didn't have a podcast. So I said, okay, I'll do the podcast, I'll create a podcast. And uh, we'll, we'll do it at the show. Now, my background prior to launching iPressroom is public relations. Um, and uh, what I used to do when I was doing PR in a, in a market, if I needed a good photographer or a good videographer or a um, uh, any sort of uh, um, somebody to record something, I would typically call either the local AP bureau and ask if they had a stringer who was good or call the photo desk of the local paper and say, do you have anybody who can shoot... F- sports or whatever it was i was shooting and i'd get somebody that way so my my partner chris bechtel said well how are we going to get somebody to record these things and i said well it's no problem all you got to do is call the local radio stations up in that area and then you'll get somebody no problem so he comes back the next day says i called them all nobody knows anything about podcasting mm. i said what are you crazy <laughs> i said you're not calling the right people and i carried on and i tried and i said go back and call them again And, you know, he he did and he came back and he said, listen, nobody in the mainstream media knows anything about podcasting, but I found a guy who can do it. Check this out. And he takes me to his desk and he goes to this website of the Rock and Roll Geek Show. And I see a guy there with long hair jamming on a bass, you know, (laughs) gritting his teeth. Uh, And I said to him, are you crazy? We're going to let this Yahoo long haired dude into the trade show? (laughs) It's gonna be the worst. it's gonna be it's gonna be a mess. I said we need a professional. He said no no no, this is the guy I'm telling you. This is the guy. He knows podcast. You got to meet with this guy. So I called up Michael, and it just so happened Michael had
0: a gig. I think at the Troubadour or the Roxy or somewhere down in L.A. Yeah, we happen to be down there doing a gig. And the first thing I the first thing you said when I showed up for the podcasting gig that you were going to do was pull yourself together, man. You're a mess. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so it's amazing. But back to radios, it's amazing. The radio guys didn't know anything about podcasting, but now all they're experts in podcasting. Now you look at the top ten on on iTunes or whatever, and they're all radio stations re, rebroadcasting their content. Which sucks so you, to begin with. You should have called the radio guy. They would have probably charged a lot more than me too. So
3: long story short, he shows up. I tell him to have a ponytail and pull his pull your, you know, and he does. <laughs> And he winds up pulling it off. He does a great job, and we become friends. And we, you know, that's that's you've, he's taught me pretty much everything I've known. I know about podcasting that Shell and Neville haven't haven't taught me. So these you, you three guys here have pretty much been. Well, I don't know. My if you educators. This
1: is the third podcast I ever listened to. The first was uh, Dave Slusher's Evil Genius Chronicles, right, yeah, yeah, and then Todd Cochran's uh-huh,
0: Geek News yeah.
1: Central. But then one of. Uh, Dave Slusher's shows referenced
0: your show. I think he picked right, a song right. up
1: from, from your show, so I grabbed that one and
0: That uh, was the early days when yeah. there were only about ten people doing podcasts. That's right. Yep. Yep. I started back in September of 2004, September 19th. I'll remember that day forever. Actually, I will remember BloggerCon forever. That was a special time. So how long have you guys been doing the podcast? You know the
2: date. Yeah, we started on January the 3rd, 2005. So that's a year ago. Uh, although officially our first podcast was December the 21st, I think, 2004, which was the test podcast. Did you
0: have a big one-year celebration podcast? Kind of.
2: Kind of, yeah. A hundredth show uh, celebration. Uh-huh. Yeah, which, I did uh, that too. Yeah. Yeah,
0: uh-huh. yeah kind of. And Eric, what about you? When did you start doing On the Record Online? With you. We recorded 12 episodes in uh, April. April, okay. April Out of 2005. Of five. Yeah. So you're almost at the one-year anniversary. Almost. I'll have to call in and give a, a special one-year anniversary congratulations. I'd appreciate that. And
1: I
2: did start
0: yeah. listening to On the Record Online before I had a clue who you were. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. We, i do the same. Yeah.
0: So what made you guys decide to start doing a podcast?
2: Well, yeah, you start well, Okay, with that. I'll do that. You start with that one.
1: Uh, I decided that this was going to be big enough that our clients were going to start asking us about it at some point. And the only way I figured we'd be able to talk intelligently about it is if we did it. Same reason I started blogging. Uh, I listened to several podcasts and decided that for what what I wanted to talk about, a global perspective was important and living in the Bay Area is rather limited. I've known Neville since, what, 19... 1989, 1988. Yeah. We, we met on CompuServe in the old CompuServe days of the Public Relations and Marketing Forum.
0: Yeah. Do you guys live in the same town? I live in Amsterdam, the Netherlands. Oh, nice. So you do Com your shows California. You do your shows over probably, I'm guessing, Skype. That's yeah. right. Uh-huh. right. That Skype is a wonderful thing, man. Sounds Fantastic. like we're in the same room. So you're both PR guys? Is
2: that what your line of work well, PR is a big element of it, but uh, I'm not a PR practitioner, and that's all that I do. I, I, my label is organizational communication, which is the embracing element, which is investor relations, employee communication, so internal and external, which I've done all those things at one time or another. Yeah, but de- PR is not a bad label right now. Depending on who you talk to, these right. are
1: elements of PR, or PR is an element of, of corporate communications or organizational communications. It's in dispute. Uh, I think One of the issues is that there's not a good working definition of public relations that everybody has agreed to right
0: well so what are some of the clients i would i know any of the clients that you guys have you guys are in business together no we're not we only podcast just together. friends huh yeah, yeah. there you go yeah and eric what what is your business so um your line of work, I guess, would be the question. I used, to
3: do, I used to do public relations at an agency called Rogers & Cowan, which is a big entertainment PR firm. And one of our big accounts every year was the Grammy Awards. huh. So you did uh, PR for the Grammys themselves. You know, when you watch the Grammys uh, on television, you really have no idea that backstage, right behind the stage, is a 20,000-square-foot press room that is a 5,000-pound gorilla. And when somebody wins an award, they're actually led off stage by our staff. Right, yeah, I've seen that on the, through
0: a labyrinth of oh, different so it's rooms. Your, so your staff handles the things that go on backstage. Well, I was or one of the backstage.
3: staffers. I mean, Maureen okay, O'Connor, okay. who who ran the account, was in control. But I usually worked in the one on ones. Uh, there was a separate area to a- accommodate photo, a separate area to accommodate print, a separate area to accommodate o- electronic press. And then those outlets that had real juice, like Entertainment Tonight or Access Hollywood or VH1 or MTV, would actually come in and set up a little booth and they'd have talent and they'd do one-on-ones. And so it'd be me up there you know, with some other people and we'd have headsets on and clipboards and literally we'd be looking at you know, Madonna and her entourage on one hand, uh, you know, Shania Twain, her, on, her entourage on the other. Uh, you, got, you got Carl Reiner and Mel Brooks, you know, in there interviewing. And you've got to sort of tap dance and keep them waiting to go in there and, and, and have their interview. And in 99, I think it was 99, IBM came into the press room. And for the first time, there was an Internet, internet component of the press room. It was actually Ron Bloom. And Adam Curry. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. Yeah, it was them. Huh. And they were doing chats. Isn't it amazing how things kind of tie together? I looked and down and I saw that and I scratched my head and I said, this is the future. I mean, if, there's, if I could figure out a way to make it easy for any company to integrate the web into their marketing communications program, I, I'd be cooking with gas. And so I, I launched iPressRoom.
0: And so what's, what's iPressroom? Because I'm a guy who knows nothing about PR or what I don't even know what iPressroom is. So what is it? So
3: if you're not a geek and you don't know how to program and you don't know how to code, um, and if you're not comfortable sort of hobbling together a bunch of sort of disparate freeware uh, things that maybe are unsupported and, and aren't going to be mission critical, you, you want some sort of a solution that's going to allow you to email market, search engine optimize, do viral marketing campaigns, uh, video-on-demand, audio-on-demand, RSS feeds, um, blogs, podcasts, uh, all these new media channels that are part of how we are communicating and how people are consuming media and information via the web. And so what we have is a very easy-to-use platform. You log in over the web, the username and password, and if you're a non-technical person who has a background of PR and marketing, you can conduct all those programs with our software without any web support. Or IT support.
0: So that really is not the podcast, though. So, what? Why'd you start doing a podcast? So when I first started the podcast, I was just doing the
3: podcast to demonstrate that we had podcast functionality because yeah. we had no content. But as
0: I started to do it, I really started to like it. Yeah, you start to fall in love with your own voice after a while. That's, <laughs> a, that's the bad thing about pod, or it could be a good thing about podcasting. You you, when I first started. I I say, oh man, my voice sucks, and then so I would do like a twenty-minute show. Now I do like an hour show because I love my voice. So you just you, you've, everybody that starts <laughs> the doing a podcast, they too. fall in yeah. love with their own voice, yeah. and you say, well, it's kind of cool being an interviewer and. Doing, and meeting all these legends. It's I'm not, more I know you've, that. You've, you've I had mean, some legendary guys on yeah, your show. Yeah, I
3: mean, I get to talk to really smart people about hot issues that, that interest me, that are intellectually compelling. And I learn a lot from people when I get to talk to them. If I didn't do the podcast, they're not going to talk to me about what I, whatever I want right, to talk about. Yeah. I get to put together a bunch of questions, fire away, and it's really fascinating. And what happens invariably is people learn about me, and it's a subtle way to introduce them to iPressRoom, which plugs a lot of the holes that we're discussing in
0: the show. Yeah, that's good, and it's uh, it you get you're starting to get popular. Probably, I'm going to guess that you once you have Robert Scoble on the show and some guys like that, you probably. I'm start not as a lot popular as these guys here. Well, who is? is I mean, as the, popular, and, and, and and
3: and what I should also say. But don't you do a don't Leo you Laporte do
0: a, maybe. I do right. a shorter
3: version of the show that yeah. is that is also runs as a segment
0: in for immediate release. Yeah, Eric's a correspondent.
3: We have
1: uh, okay, three
3: so you, correspondents.
0: So you guys aren't in competition at all. You're just no. working together. Don't uh,
1: see the potosphere, if I can call it that, as a, as a competitive space. In fact, we have a listing of all of the PR-oriented podcasts on our podcast blog.
0: How many are there PR-oriented
1: no, just podcasts? Just a handful,
2: about yeah. what, six. A dozen. Yeah, yeah, about half a dozen. But, but, I mean, Eric... Y- just to mention uh, what he said there he does provide uh, a segment into our show uh, roughly once a week which is uh, a kind of a highlights of the interviews he's done and and that uh, enables what eric does adds significant value to our podcast adds a different dimension to it and of course it makes that a nice connection with your than the full podcast because everyone listens to the segment and they immediately go to eric's place to get hold of the full show right but I add some some major uh dimension to our show by having that kind of contribution it and was your idea to the other two uh contributors as it was well his idea yeah really it was, it was his idea. idea you said i said i, I want to
3: reach out more and get let more people know about my podcast he says well what podcast do you like and i said your podcast and he said well why don't you cut your show yeah. a promo of your show and I said, well, why, do, why instead of a promo, right. why don't we do like a mini segment that's like yeah. really got some value? I mean, a promo would have worked maybe one or two times, right. but right. this you is can't fresh just keep content this promo. Or,
0: yeah, and plus it helps you have content for your show. So that's like, what, are you, what is your segment like? Seven, seven minutes, or or something minutes. like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. So there, you, how long is you guys' podcast? It runs about an hour and twenty minutes. Oh, really? That's a long average. podcast.
1: Yeah, we we used to stress over that a lot. Yeah, a lot, we did on the show. We would we would. Yeah, it, just a lot of angst over is this too long and and most of our listeners said shut up about it already they, they reminded yeah, that, us that if it wasn't over by the time they got to work they could push the pause button and start it
0: again when they went home yeah. so what's the shortest podcast you guys have ever done we did one at about an hour
2: yeah about 60 minutes
0: wow that's still a long podcast we've actually
2: the our bumper our bumper edition about a month ago was 101 minutes you think about ever having
0: a marathon podcast doing like a That, was, <laughs> that was the one. <laughs> yeah, Bandwidth would kill that's about you as long man. as we want to get. Yeah.
2: It's uh that was tricky. Yeah.
0: And Eric, your podcast, I do your podcast for you. I help you out with yours. Yours is what normally about what? 45 minutes? Not,
3: sometimes it's 20 minutes. I'm saying I just let the interview go as long as it's interesting. When it stops becoming interesting, I wrap it up.
0: Yeah, and I've been following your interviewing style and I I think it's kind of grown into a quite the good there's no rock and roll geek interview style but it's pretty good interview you know style. and
3: it's interesting you listen to these podcasts they start off a little lousy but if you stick with them yeah. people learn and they get yeah. really good and by the way i
1: thought your suzy quattro
0: interview was incredible oh you are so kind man. <laughs> i love that i love suzy quattro <laughs> i was a big fan we can start talking rock and we will we'll, <laughs> you won't shut me up man. more interested than p.o right <laughs> So, all right, so what else would I like to talk about? Let me see. Do I have anything written? No, I have nothing written down. So, let me see. Where, where is this conference we're at, is what's it
1: called? The New Communications Forum. It's the second uh, year they've done this. The first one uh, was up in Napa uh, a year ago. It was about half the size, right. uh, both in terms of speakers and uh, participants. And it's just, a, I think, a, a testament to how much this whole social media thing has evolved, that there's more interest and in just a bigger program and...
0: Bigger venue and social media being blogs and podcasts and wikis. Were you guys bloggers before you were podcasters? Oh yeah, yeah. And you were too, Eric. You know I
3: was, but it was a blip. I mean, I was blogging for a couple months before, and then I started podcasting. I I launched my blog, Spinfluencer, at the Newcom Forum in Napa. Yep.
0: I was actually doing a blog two years before I even started doing a podcast, a a blog for my band, just like to keep for our fans to keep up with us, like maybe like five fans would come and read it. But they read it regularly. And when I started doing the podcast, it was just like eh, an extension of that. I figured maybe five people would, you know, would listen to it. And you, it's amazing how it grows. I'm sure you guys have major numbers of listeners now. It's, can you, did you ever imagine that you would have listeners from all over the world? I don't think we imagined anything.
1: No. Uh, we didn't. Like I say, we did it as an experiment to learn about this. I think we had in the back of our minds the desire to make a contribution to the profession. But uh, for example, one of the things that has evolved out of the whole experience is that we have built a real community of listeners. It is a real two-way medium. Uh, You know, you get a lot of people who say, "Well, one of the problems with podcasting compared to blogging is that it's a one-way channel." And I don't find that to be true at all. I find it to be a very multi-directional. Yeah, everybody that I know. Comments. Yeah, listener comments. They record audio comments and send them in. They send text comments. I mean, Lee Hopkins, who's one of our correspondents from Australia, started off as just a commenter, and he'd comment every show. And off the top of my head, uh, after one of his comments, I said, you yeah,
0: know, if this guy sends us one more, we're just going to make him a correspondent. And so, right. So and he sent the next one like he was a correspondent. What's so cool about it is you become friends with people you've never seen in person. And oh, then, yeah. And then you will right. meet these people maybe six months down the line, and it'll be like you know them. You're just having a beer with them. It's like you you right. never even... You know, it's like you've been friends forever. Yeah. That's the greatest thing to me about podcasting.
2: I agree. That's similar to blogging, too, because uh, I've met people today uh, and yesterday here at this conference in Palo Alto that I know, but I don't know, Uh, but I do know them. You know what I mean? And you meet them, and you don't need to look at the name tag to figure out who they are because you know what they look like from the picture on their blog. And I've actually had a couple of people come up to me today who've introduced themselves who I didn't know, who listened to the podcast, and they, they recognized my voice. And that was quite a thrill, I have to say there was a lady from Tokyo in Japan who's here who said I listen to your show that blew me away completely. yeah I love that Yeah, fantastic she needs to add herself to the Frapper so, yeah, map we so. have a Frapper map which uh, shows right, yeah. listeners who've chosen to say I listen to FIR and here was, here's where I am and they're in I think 52 countries how wow. many people are on your Frapper map 131 right now nice yeah. how about yeah. you uh, about
0: that. Not quite that. Maybe like 125. Okay. I think Close. Adam Curry's got like 6,000. Yeah, he's no like doubt. That. He's the big one. Yeah. And the, uh, what's his name? Leo Laporte's got it. Yeah,
2: 10,000, yeah. 10, I think he's A zillion. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <Loads. Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> that
0: guy's just huge. So, Eric, um, let's see. So, what do you think about – so, we started off blogs, then went to podcasts. Do you think it's going to go to anything else after podcasting? I guess it's called the social media or whatever it is. So,
3: so I really do. I think, um, I think the blog and the podcast is just the tip of the iceberg. That's, that's really my belief. I, I think, um, you know, the blog is going to become ultimately – and I, I don't think it's a fad. I think it's here to stay. Mm-hmm. But I think it is, is the, the, um, the online venue of choice for the individual. But I don't necessarily think it works for the organization. It works for individuals at organizations. But I think if you are looking to integrate the web into your business, I think you need more than just a blog. Well, I would agree. I mm. uh, I hear a lot of people make the argument, make the case
1: that blogs are going to uh, social media are all uh, going to replace traditional websites. Um, I think blogs are terrific, and I think there's a lot of potential for them. But if I'm looking for an answer to a question. Uh, about a policy or do you carry this product or you know I'm having this problem with your software how do I fix it I don't want to go searching through blog posts I want to go to the navigation bar and go click 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 and get the answer to my question
0: so I think they're gonna coexist very nicely yeah I, they when I was listening to one of your interviews one of the guys was saying well you know it's a great business thing for your business to just to do a blog and you can increase your business so much is there anything like Anything else you can do? for Well, there's your a
3: real benefit. I mean, the real benefit of blogging, as I see it, is it's put the web within reach of individuals, and for the first time, people are actually communicating online. Okay, that's that's a new thing. It was fr- it's free. It was widely adopted, and so people are doing it, and in doing it, they're understanding how they can use the web to communicate, and that's really a benefit to anyone who's a, a, an advocate for these. Types of new media communications because you know we want to see it move in that direction. The one to many um, aspects of the internet are really more efficient and more economical and really make more sense. I don't know about you guys. I there was a time you know when I would have to go to trade shows and I'd have to work in a booth and I'd have they give you the spiel. You have the meeting in the morning and they say here's what you're going to say and so you go and every, someone comes and you have to repeat the thing over and over again. I literally would hit the bed at the end of the day, and I was a zombie. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I always thought to myself, I couldn't. I just record this spiel and make it, a, you know, just play them a tape. And you know, I so I think the the blog and the podcast have made it easy for people to understand and appreciate the value of using the web for communications. Well, but actually, they're still booth babes,
2: though. So yeah, but some there was actually right. a comment somebody made in the uh, in the uh, session at lunchtime today, the keynote presentation by. Uh, Jeremy Wright and Jory Desjardins, who talked about uh, what are these social media? What are, what are they really? There's simply a, a new way for an age-old human need to tell a story. And, in fact, that's how I look at blogs and podcasts and these other social tools. That they, you know, we, we hear all these phrases all the time, and we use them ourselves. Empowering people. Uh, I hear people talk about social revolution. Uh, probably are all those things. But the best way to look at them, I believe, which is part of the reason why organizations as an entity tend to be a little nervous about these kind of tools, is they give people another means, an easy means, from a technological point of view, to tell a story. And that's a basic human need to communicate. So these things provide an avenue that is easy in our modern society, in in Western countries in particular, uh, to do that in ways that you simply couldn't imagine even 10 years ago that you could. So you have this means that is unstoppable, I believe. Uh, In this conversation we had today in in the session about our blogs are fad, you referenced that just now. And there's actually divergent opinions in that. Uh, it, this is unstoppable. So it is therefore not a fad, I would argue. I could see from a business point of view that you can apply the question, as a fad for business. I, I, equally, I don't believe that because businesses and organizations are people at the end of the day. And people have an innate internal desire to communicate and express themselves. Some, obviously, more than others, some people aren't natural articulators in this way. But the fact of the matter is that you have the means at your disposal now for anybody to do this if they want. And look at MySpace. Look at what on earth's going on right there with, with kids in the teens and the early 20s. Uh, their mindset it is, is yeah. used to this. I have a so, quick story you
0: know, on MySpace. Yeah. The guy who owns MySpace, Tom, I used to play in a band with that guy. Okay. And. 15 minutes before we went on stage, this guy got the last laugh. 15 minutes before we went on stage, I kicked him out of the band. What's he worth now? He got the last laugh on me, man. I'll tell you. So, are you. Anyway, there you go. Tom from MySpace. I'm sorry I kicked you out if you happen to be listening. <laughs> Can I borrow some money? But speaking of money, you guys probably mainly doing the podcast for because it's fun and it's really enjoyable. But do you, you think. Maybe some business might come out of it. Well, oh. I've already gotten some business out of it just because somebody
1: heard it and said, Gee, I think you'd be good to work on this project. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, reputationally, uh, I think it, it has led to work. Um, I do think that the podcast is worth a sponsorship or an advertising gig at, at some point, but and we're not there
2: yet. No, I mean, I, I've like you, I've had um, uh, business opportunities as a result of the podcast and the blog. So, I've had, for example, speaking at a couple of conferences recently about podcasting because people perceive, oh, this guy knows what he's doing because he's doing a podcast, so he can speak at a conference. So, that there's no monetary value uh, directly, uh, but uh, who knows where that could lead. You don't charge for speaking? Oh, sometimes, uh, but not these ones I'm mentioning. You so, guys uh, married? Yeah, but not to, but each, not other. to each other. What yeah. do you guys, yeah. what does
0: your wife think of you doing a podcast? Well, my do wife does a podcast, so Oh, so she, she's really? fine with it. Nice, there you go. My
2: wife okay. blogs, so she's cool with it, too. In fact, my wife okay. came
1: with me the first time I came oh, to yeah, the Oh, yeah, that's uh, right, I met her. Up. So you
0: have geek wives, that's good. And Eric, you're probably, you're not making a living with your podcast, so it's probably doing a lot for your business,
3: so there's a direct relationship between the podcast and lead generation. Yeah. Because What's we don't... What's lead generation? So we don't just... Uh, the podcast, we, we have actually a marketing program in place to support the podcast. And here's how that works. So I do a podcast. If it's a really newsworthy podcast or if it's a guest or if something's said that I think is of interest, then we'll do a press release and we'll shoot that out to conventional media through conventional channels. If uh, it's interest, if the podcast is su- subject is interesting to a community that I have a good list for in iPressroom, I'll send out an email notice to that list about the podcast. And there is a direct relationship between the request a consultation form getting filled out on the website. And those activities. Hmm. So, like when when a big uh, podcast goes out, like a Walt Mossberg or, or even some of the big bloggers, hmm. you know, we'll wind up getting a lot of uh, uh, leads. Will come in for people who are interested in
0: learning about our service. So that's like a. You probably have one of the most successful then because you're getting a lot of big. Well, who are some of your customers?
3: Well, um, so I'll say, say in the podcast, and I'll ask listeners of the podcast, you know, not to
0: um, put this in print. Um, just like give a name that rhymes with one of the companies or something oh that's that's (laughs) That's
3: (laughs) oh yeah well so we 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 are working with a major retailer uh, that uses a bullseye sign um, Mm -hmm. as its logo and uh, we also work with uh, a major automotive French company then
0: was it uh, yeah. Target.
1: There you go. There uh,
3: you is. said it, not me. <laughs> right. And and also a number of smaller companies that you've never never heard of. So do these companies listen to your podcast? I, I don't know. It's a good question. I'm not sure. What
0: sold these companies on working with your company? Would, did, was podcasting like a big thing that helped sell your business?
3: Usually if... We get in front of a client that has a genuine need and has, has, has accepted that web, web marketing is something that strategically they should be involved with because it's in the best interest of their job security. Uh,
0: well, there's a sale. We don't have to do a lot of convincing. I'm kind of a little bit confused. I'm fascinated but confused. If Say if I'm a company, why would I go to, what is the company called again? I'm sorry. I'm not trying to plug you. Which, which one? <laughs> the Rock and Roll Geek Show. No. Oh. No. Which <laughs> what, company? The company that. So it's iPressRoom. Is that what it is? Thank you, Michael. Yes, it yeah, is iPressRoom dot com is yeah, it no, dot
3: com. There's a dot com
0: on the end. Yes. No, but so why would I? I'm, so you, you just put press releases out. What? I'm not sure really how it works.
3: So, it's it's a very fair question, and um, here's the answer that I'd like to offer. And it, it harkens back to what Shell was saying is that there's no re- really not an agreed upon definition of public relations. But um, my definition, how I think of public relations, you know, public relations was originally about communicating to the public on, on the, for the interests of business. And as the media grew in influence and became more powerful, PR became more and more about the exercise of media relations, sending news and information from a company to the media in hopes of getting them to cover it in a way that would be hopefully positive, okay? So, you're with me? Now, that's a very exclusive exercise. I'm sending out a press release to the media. I'm not sending it to the public. So, if the media doesn't cover it, nobody knows, right? In comes the web, and now you have the ability to throw that press release up on the web. Now, it no longer is so exclusive anymore. Right, Because the web democratizes the distribution of that on a global scale. Anyone who's got access to the internet can see the press release. So now you have an opportunity to talk once again to the public. Mm -hmm. And you're not necessarily segmenting between the media and the public. So you would use iPressroom to integrate the web into your public relations program. Either by distributing a press release online in conjunction with whatever other channels you were doing. Or... uh, email marketing or viral programs or video on demand or audio on demand or promoting RSS. Here's a great example in PR. How many times have we had a client and you put out the news release and you call the media list, right? Two months later, you put out the press release, you call the media list. Two weeks later, you put out the press release, you call the media list, right? That's all you can do. But if you think about RSS as a tool, you just promote the feed. If you've got those that pool of reporters paying attention to the feed, you can really build momentum, and you can stop really wasting a lot of time in distribution.
0: Is that what you guys do, too? No. What is So to, two totally different types of PR, then. Uh, actually, probably three, I would guess.
2: Yeah, I suspect so. I mean, it, what Eric's described is, from a PR point of view... Media which, relations yeah, point of view. It, well, indeed, it is media relations, not public relations, and... That we could spend ages in a discussion about defining that, uh, but social channels—well, uh, let, let rephrase that—channels, distribution channels like RSS, uh, change the game dramatically from that cycle that you just outlined. Uh, that's not specific just to public relations, which, which I think you look at any audience therefore, internally and externally. Uh, the value that that can de- derive for you in terms of the. Choices being with then the receiver of that information for how they deal with that information on their own terms to subscribe to the information you want to send out to them. I think it, changed, it turns upside down media relations in particular, but it has dramatic uh, potential impacts on other publics, those other elements of public relations by using some of these social media tools. Um, RSS is a social media tool. It is a channel uh, currently one way. Uh, it's going to evolve into two way. And again, that's something that we'd probably get, be better off having someone like uh, uh, Dave Weiner here to talk about that. But we uh, would never take no. the mic back. He would take it over for sure. So um, yeah,
1: lots lots going on. Yeah, my view of public relations uh, is that an organization has several publics. Mm. Aside from customers and consumers, and these publics have the power to throw up obstacles to your organization's ability to do what it wants to do. This could be the government through regulation or legislation. This could be the general public through boycotts. It could be your employees through strikes. Uh, It could be uh, activist groups through activist uh, measures. Uh, The role of public relations is to manage the relationship between the organizations and these publics, Uh, and I think, you know, the worst of public relations tends to paint the rest of us, and it's seen as we do this through what a lot of people refer to as SPIN. Uh, And through devious tactics. I don't believe in that I believe in there's an academic term called a two-way symmetrical communication Which means that it's based on mutual understanding and coming to an agreement so that there's a win-win for the public as well as the organization Uh, so this is I think fairly high-level public relations where you are looking to uh, Make sure that the relationships are good that there's that there's solid understanding on both sides of the equation so, that the public doesn't feel that you're doing anything bad, presumably because you're not, and, and therefore you're able to move along and do the things that provide a return for your shareholders. Um, great example of this. Uh, there was, uh, and this is many years ago, uh, actually predates the net, uh, but there was a tuna boycott. Uh, so some of the um, animal, animal rights groups were yeah, the concerned. Dolphins. Yeah, right. It was because of the dolphin catch in the drift nets. And I think it was Burson Marsteller was the public relations agency that was representing Starkist. And their approach, not no press releases involved, no media campaign, nothing. What they did was they set up a negotiation session between the larger, more mainstream uh, activist group and the company. And it was a lot of presentations back and forth. This is what it costs us to can. This is what we make. This is you know where it ceases to be... Uh, profitable for us to to do canning and they said well what if you did this with your drift nets and what if you did that and they worked at it over a period of weeks until they came to an agreement that didn't end the dolphin killed but dramatically reduced it and they got up at a joint press conference and pronounced dolphin safe tuna and this was i don't remember which uh, animal rights group and it their was. business
0: probably went through the roof especially I when remember. they announced the
1: boycott on the rest of the tuna industry right. Right, but that wasn't based on any deception. That was based on negotiation and mutual understanding. Uh, what what the academics call boundary spanning, mm-hmm. right? And 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 learning the terms of the, of the of the public that you're dealing with, learning their jargon, uh, and, and to me that's that's the epitome of public relations is is managing Excellent those definition. relationships.
3: Excellent definition. Excellent yeah.
1: definition. Yeah, and and social media fits into this so well because. You know, for example, if your employees can speak on behalf of the company rather than the official spokesperson uh, with the authenticity and the candor and the passion that they bring to it, not because they're paid to represent the company, but because they really believe, you know, because they're genuinely passionate about it. Um, this is what you get from like Robert Scoble. At Micro. He's not Bill Gates and he's and he's not Wagner-Edstrom, their PR agency. He's a real guy at a, at a fairly mid-level job. Uh, but he's a true believer, and people like that when they hear that. They like the passion coming from somebody who's you know, just a working stiff. Uh, and I think if you can turn your employees loose and let them handle some of those relationships, assuming, of course, that they understand what the messages are, and they under, you, know, you don't want them delivering 30 different contradictory messages, but if you're communicating with them well internally, then they can communicate well externally, and that communication is with the audience, not to the audience. So I think social media lends itself perfectly to this highest
0: ideal of PR. Very nice. Well, you know, this might be the shortest. This might be a record short for immediate release episode. Anything we want to go over before we close this out? Because I'm a guy who knows nothing. I know a little bit more about PR now, but I still know not too much about it. I know a lot about rock and roll, but not much about PR.
3: So, so my dad, my dad still says to me,
0: "What do you do?"
1: Well, my kids do that. Yeah. I mean, what? Don't you I hate got a story that? For you, though. My daughter does too.
3: Okay, let's hear it.
1: I think it was 1987. I was uh, the immediate past president of the Los Angeles chapter of IABC, the International International Association of Business Communicators. And every year they gave out the Communicator of the Year award, and they gave it to Henry Rogers, right? Your former boss. Sure. Now this award usually went to somebody who had done something for the chapter, uh, and. You know, long-time member had had served a lot, had made a contribution to the profession. He had no idea who IEBC was. His staff had had nominated. He got up there and misnamed the organization at the awards ceremony.
3: What did did he bring a celebrity or get somebody seats to the Oscars?
1: I have no idea, but I uh, <laughs> I just thought that was we found out that uh, one of his staff had nominated him because he liked getting awards.
0: <laughs> and that guy got brownie points for nominating. So he still boss. around?
3: Uh, He is not. He passed away. His son uh, has a a very successful firm called Rogers and Associates in Los Angeles, and they do a lot of corporate communications, um, a lot of health care, and I think automotive.
1: And I think we do need to give uh, a mention to American Heartbreak.
0: Right, my band, American Heartbreak. Our new album coming out April 18th. There you go. I'll get it. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, I'll give you a copy. I'll, a co- copies all around. Oh, that's, oh. Right, cool. that's cool. Excellent.
3: Any, sure uh, any revelations, guys, so far at the, uh, from the Newcom Forum here this year?
2: It's been tremendous, I think. I about uh, it, revelations? It, it's illustrative of how far we've moved in 12 months compared to the previous year. That the, uh, As Shell mentioned earlier in this discussion, the, uh, the depth and breadth of people who are here both from a presenter point of view, and there's some tremendous talent here who are talking. But you then look at who the, the, the regular folks are who make up the whole event. Nearly 200 people have come here, uh, many of whom we all have encountered in one form or another through their blogs primarily. Uh, but there's a, you know, a big chunk of people who are just here to find out how they can use these social media tools. And the questions have changed in 12 months. Uh, if you remember eric 12 months ago in in uh, in Napa Valley when new communications was around a lot of the questions were what what the hell are these things the questions now are how do i use them and in fact it's gone beyond the why to the how and there's very little of the what and, I mean, and even, even how do i convince my management to yeah. use them because i already understand <clears throat> I mean, even in, when we when and did that's a real challenge. Yeah, it is, yeah. I mean, I did our podcasting workshop yesterday, the half day workshop, podcasting 101, or the boot camp. How'd that and go? It was, was tr- tremendous. But the questions were actually quite broad, wide ranging. From what is it? Those were not the the, the most questions. Most of the people there knew about podcasting, I and mean, when they were there to figure out how 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 they could understand what seems a complex thing with mixers and all this kind of stuff. And the, the podcast our class produced at the end of it, they did it themselves. They, each of them talking about effectively, this is nowhere near as daunting as I thought it was. This is actually easier than it appeared. So if, if we helped a group of people figure out, hey, I can do this quite if easily. It's
1: a kid's podcast. Fantastic. Your daughter
2: have one of her own yet? Yes, yeah, she's yeah. a 15-year-old
0: girl. Oh, the first the not first, only does
3: she example. have a podcast, she has advertisers and she's oh, simulcast wow. on Sirius. We need oh. to talk to her. Yeah. She was
0: actually the first teen podcaster with a major sponsor.
2: Oh wow. So there That's you go. Amazing. amazing.
0: And Eric blogged about it on his on his site and it got if you put it up in Google, if you type in emo girl talking Google, his post comes up uh, like yeah, the most I think hits. like
3: the first one. But you right. guys also had some big news today, didn't you?
1: Yeah, we did. We did. We have um, reached an agreement with McGraw Hill, which is one of the premier business publishers in the U.S., uh, to write a book called How to Do Everything with Podcasting. Very nice. Uh, this is part of the How to Do Everything series. Uh, if, you, if you go into a Barnes & Noble, they're usually all off by themselves. Um, and uh, we have a June 1st deadline to complete <laughs> about a 450-page manuscript. It's uh, going to be a thicker volume than the other podcasting books that are out because it's How to Do
3: Everything <laughs> And what's the format? Is it like a podcasting for dummies, or how how do you how do you define the format of the this this how to?
1: Well, it's a, it splits the, the content among the uh, the tactics and the strategy, uh, and looking at the various. For example, we'll have a section on podcasting on intranets, podcasts just for employees. Um, but we'll have sections on recording and and equipment. Uh, but also on how to plan a podcast and how you target an audience, how you market the podcast, section on how you might make money on a podcast. That won't be based on personal experience, but mm-hmm. we'll, we'll write it anyway.
3: Mm. What about a section on building a business case for podcasting? Yeah, definitely.
2: Mm-hmm. That's included in there. Yeah, that will be. I mean, it, you you ask, is it like a podcast if dummies? No, it's not. And they're, they're great titles that for dummies series, no question. But this is, is far more in-depth. Uh, it does cover the how do you do it uh, angle? Of course it will. But uh, our interest is is very strong on how does it work as a communication channel? So all those elements in there from an organizational communication point of view, how do you do it from that angle?
3: I'm interested in this chapter on building a business case. Okay. I think if you had to build a business case for direct mail today, you'd be hard-pressed, mm. right? Or even probably for trade advertising, Right. But for some reason, yeah, well, I know why. It's new. It's new, it's untested, and so it does it's not blessed with budget yet. Podcasting. Low barrier to entry. Yeah. But, but it's low risk. What's it gonna take? Is it gonna take standardized measurement? What's it gonna take to make a absolutely inarguable business case for podcasts? Well I don't think there is any one business case. I think, you know, I'm I'm a
1: adherent to the principles of strategic planning. Uh, which means you start with the problem uh, or the goal. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, th- what's keeping your CEO or your boss awake at night? Uh, and then you you start from there and develop some some goals and and strategies and objectives, and maybe the tools that you use to achieve the objective would include podcasting. Mm-hmm. I mean, if uh, I, I I can only guess how Whirlpool arrived at their decision to podcast, but I would imagine it wasn't somebody saying podcasting's bitching man. Let's let's do a podcast. What do we do it about? I think it was how do we reach the average mom who is fast forwarding her digital video recorder through commercials, uh, so that the whirlpool brand is is imprinted and you know there's, there's a positive uh, perception that that they have of the brand. Well, let's do something about issues that moms care about, like the health of young girls and and issues like that. Well, how do we get that to them? Well. Let's do a podcast. So the tool comes last. I think the business case is is showing that Mm. the tool is going to achieve a goal that is meaningful to the people who make the decisions.
2: You're actually seeing some smart examples like that. Whirlpool's one. I I think IBM is another one. Excellent example. Uh, You're seeing also some pretty poor examples. I'm not going to name any right now uh, because they're subjective. Uh, Like anything in organizational communication, there are some people who, some organizations who will do a pretty good job at Achieving something, as you perceive it, through the channel they're using, whether it's a website or a podcast or print or whatever. And there are others who will do an outstanding job as you judge it. And Whirlpool is one, definitely. IBM is another one. So, you you know, we're seeing lots going
0: on. Do you think it's important that these companies continue to do a regular podcast? Because I see a lot of them starting to do a podcast, and then they'll do like two episodes, and Uh, then they'll just drop off.
2: Well, it depends on what expectation you set. So, uh, it's a bit like commenting on blogs, uh, where if you're, or, or rather writing the post frequency on a blog, if you say, you know, I'm going to be here regularly doing X, that sets a certain expectation, then you don't do it uh, for two weeks. If you say, yeah, we're going to do a podcast once a month, and you don't do it once a month, well, you've got a credibility issue. Your, your trust diminishes. So, it comes down to that. The answer to that question is setting the right expectation.
1: That, that's not to say that there's never uh, a case for doing a, a limited or short term podcast. In fact, I did one with the conference board around a single conference, and it started with a panel discussion of uh, four of the speakers. Then there were a couple of individual interviews with speakers, uh, and then at the conference there were some interviews with speakers after they had delivered their talks, and we uh, podcast Dan Gilmore's keynote speech. Mm. Uh, So leading up to the conference, it was designed to generate interest and get people to say, wow, that's really articulate and intelligent person i think i want to go hear this and then the ones during the conference were designed to get people to say damn i wish i'd been there next year i'm going to go to this conference but once the conference is over the podcast ends
0: right yeah and so mostly just the people who went to the conference they will go subscribe to the podcast so they will catch what they missed right But,
3: but you know there is some archival value in those podcasts yeah I mean, the conference is over, but the podcast remains. They're yes. still there,
0: but
1: they're and, not doing new ones.
3: But people are going to find out about it over the course yeah. of the year. Exactly. The, the audience is going to build organically, so you don't necessarily need to add new content to that feed until next year.
2: Right. I mean, on that subject, of the conference is, is a good one. I mean, Shell and I have, been, have agreed with IABC to produce a series of podcasts for the 2006 International Conference of in Vancouver in June, leading up to and during the conference. And those podcasts uh, will then cease once the conference is over, probably. They might continue for a little bit after, we we don't know yet. But that's for a finite issue, yet the the resources, the information, the knowledge that's in those um, recordings will always be there of value to people. And it will make it uh, something that they will gain further value from by using this medium. So, Yeah.
1: But if you look at IBM's podcast that Neville just mentioned, uh, I I think it's absolutely brilliant. It's uh, Mm. sponsored by the Investor Relations Department.
0: Mm. Uh, I've never listened to it, so I can't. It's
1: called The Future Of, and uh, every episode, uh, the host interviews usually a couple of IBM employees, not PR people, not marketers, Uh uh, but engineers, uh, for example, uh, working on that particular topic. and. The goal is to, you know, we're thinking ahead. We're thinking 10, 20 years ahead. What is the future of technology as it relates to sports or to houses or to automobiles or to healthcare? care? Uh, and the idea is that an investment analyst who's probably overwhelmed with print that's coming from the various companies looking for coverage still has a half an hour to kill on the train on the way to work in New York in the morning. And there's one investor relations podcast. It's from IBM. And he listens and goes, wow, these guys are really thinking 10 and 20 years out. When these things hit, this is the company that's going to be there. I'm going to issue a buy recommendation or I'm going to write a positive report. Uh, I think it's, it's getting that message above the clutter in a way that is much more authentic than issuing, you
0: know, a, 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 a slickly written quarterly report. Yeah. Now, just as sheer entertainment, for just sheer entertainment purposes, what are the podcasts that you guys listen to? Oh. Do you listen to a lot? Oh yeah, I listen to a lot. Pre- comp- present company excluded,
2: who are the company? Who who are the podcasts you listen to just for entertainment? Gee whiz! I mean, I I'm one of those people who have at least twenty stacked up on the iPod, which I never uh-huh. get time to listen. Right, to. Yeah. But I'll give you two. I, I listen to Twit. Okay. I like that. It's it, I like the acronym. That's you like I the name, it. Yeah. I like the name because it means idiot. Um, in England. It means four guys talking over each other at all times. Is that what right? it means? Okay.
1: I thought it was just John Devorak talking <laughs> I like over it. everybody else. Right? Right. I listen
2: to uh, on and off uh, Geek News Central. Okay, and Todd Cochran. Todd Cochran, uh, one of the pioneers. In fact, uh, he was one of the very first podcasts I listened to. Very, Adam Curry was the very first podcast I listened to. Uh, and of course, The Daily Source Code. And then there's Sprinklings, but those are the hardcore ones that I listen to. Yeah, I, I,
1: I still listen to the, uh, religiously to the Daily Source Code. Uh-huh. It's like you have to just to stay current. Yeah. Uh, I also still listen to Scripting News when it comes out, Dave
0: Weiners. Is uh, he doing a regular podcast? No, still? very
1: irregular, but uh, I've got the feed, so when he
0: does one, it's... And he, almost, he practically invented podcasts, but the quality of his audio, that should just still tell you you do not need anything to do a podcast. No. That guy takes a little Arcos and puts it on his right. table. right. And he and does his podcast, yeah.
1: Yeah, I listen to um, Steve Gilmore. You want to talk about bad okay. audio, but right, high quality right. content. The Gilmore
0: Gang? Gilmore Gang uh,
1: and uh, Gilmore Daily. Okay, yeah. Uh, I listen to one that I really enjoy. It's about a minute and a half, two minutes long daily called Pod Dictionary. Okay, yeah. the word yeah, right, of the day, right, Charles yeah. Hodgson from Canada. I still listen to Evil Genius Chronicles. Okay, my friend Dave Slusher. I've never met him, but we've exchanged some emails. Great I'd, guy, I'd very love to smart. meet him someday. Uh, and then a smattering of others. Some I, I subscribe mm. to and then unsubscribe to. I, listened, I, I know how popular Keith and the Girl is. I listen to half of them. I've one. never
0: listened. And Eric, who do you listen to?
3: Well, I listen to a lot of the guys you, you, you've you mentioned already. Um, but a couple that I'll mention that you haven't, you guys haven't mentioned yet. I like Don and Drew. Uh-huh. And I also really like the new Edelman podcast called Earshot yes. that, mm-hmm. Phil, that Gomes. Phil Gomes has launched. He's here, by the way. And the um, the second episode was uh, Richard Edelman uh, talking about the trust barometer report to the New York office. Yep. Great podcast. Yeah, boy, I and I think Phil is doing a great job on yeah. those.
1: The other PR podcasts I listened to as well. I listened to Across the Sound with Joseph Jaffe. I listened to Trafcom News with oh, Dan, yeah, Donald Trafcom. Papacosta. But Across and the Sound
3: is really more of a, uh, advertising marketing and marketing. It
1: was more PR when Steve Rubel was right, still right. doing it. But I got hooked on that show, so I keep listening. Uh, especially as long as he keeps talking about for immediate release, I, you know, keep paying attention. <laughs>
3: I got. Um,
0: it's nice to hear yourself mentioned. Yeah, your it guess.
3: <laughs> I got a for my birthday uh, a uh, video iPod for my wife, and I'm looking for good uh, vi- video podcast, and I'm really not finding much. I must say, I'm really disappointed with what I have found. Yeah, it's
1: new. You know, yeah, give it give it
3: time.
0: Yeah, yeah. The only video podcast I ever really watch is Yeast Radio. She does a video podcast. She she does like a five minute video, like. Madge. Well, the, Madge, the name
3: but. is is so distasteful. I think uh, oh, yeah, I would avoid it just for that reason. Uh,
0: <laughs> deliberately, yeah.
2: Yeah. actually, sorry, I want to do want to mention one podcast that springs to my mind that I do listen to. I recommend you is Caribbean Free Radio. Oh yeah, 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 outstanding. And then Ritmo Latino from a guy in Guam. And the music, music.
0: Yeah. okay. Uh-huh. Now, sure. what I
3: want to know from you, Michael, because I'm always. I get the podcast, I've got all these talk programs on my on my iPod and my wife is always saying, Come on, can't you get some good music podcast? Uh-huh, yeah. And I don't really know any good try, ones. So try, hook try, me up. Try those ya? two
2: I mentioned, Eric. Try those two I mentioned. Well if you want rock- But that sounds
3: like Caribbean music and, and salsa. Yeah,
2: it's that and more. But okay. the Caribbean Free Radio one is uh, the, the, the woman who does that, I just like the style of that. It's difficult to describe it. Check it out. The best
3: radio right. station I've found so far I listen to on iTunes, it's in the Netherlands. Right. And it's great because you can't understand the ads, so it's not... (laughs) I tell you this... And the music is
2: terrific. There's some excellent podcasts out of the Netherlands, uh, and particularly there's some rock music podcasts. There's a guy in Rotterdam who does a terrific show, and I can't recall his name, unfortunately. But excellent music, truly outstanding music. Uh, You have to understand Dutch if you want to understand what he's saying, but the music's great. And you can find those, uh, just Google it. Yeah. Okay, if you want to listen to a rock and roll podcast, obviously you have to go to the Rock and Roll Geek yeah. Show, the original rock and roll.
0: But I would say the be- the very best music podcast out there is one called The Roadhouse. Oh, The Roadhouse. Tony Starler-Dennison does blues, and that, that guy okay. is fantastic.
3: Okay. I
1: like Coverville too. Yeah, but I, yeah. you know, but, uh, blues blues wears on me. My it's, favorite music podcast is gone. Unfortunately, it was Closet Deadhead. Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, Sam that Whitmore.
0: The guy got a cease and desist by the great. Well, he dead, basically right? quit before he got a cease and desist. He saw the writing on the wall. Isn't that interesting? We could do a whole show just about that, about the hypocrisy of that. Yeah. But he
1: still continues to do uh, Sam, Wit- Sa- Sam Whitmore's Media Weekly. Yeah. And that's a very good podcast, yeah, too. Yep, I enjoy tis, that one. Tis, yeah.
3: Sam actually co hosted the show once when Neville wasn't available. So. I heard the episode. Yep. Matter of fact, I heard the episode while I think I was working the um, Academy Awards <laughs> at the uh, at the at the new Hollywood Theater. I remember because I was working with the Cirque du Soleil on the red carpet, and I was listening to that podcast exactly. in my car on the Excellent. way. And That's then a-
1: Sam and uh, his girlfriend and my wife and I went to the Comes a Time, the 10 Year Jerry Garcia Tribute at the Greek at Berkeley together. So,
0: so you're a Deadhead? Oh yeah, yeah. You look like a Deadhead. <laughs> All right. Well, it's a compliment, by the way. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I'm pleased to hear that. Yeah. It's working.
0: I, I think we're about ready to wrap it up. We're at like 55 minutes here. So let's give Excellent. a plug for each of our podcasts before we wrap it up.
3: Well, I mean, if you're, if you're listening to this podcast, no doubt you got it from the feed already. But the podcast is On the Record Online. They're, they're, you know, I wasn't so strategic when I picked the name. And so if you search On the Record Online, you'll get probably, you know, several dozen podcasts. So best off to search keyword Schwartzman. And
0: then you'll find it that way. And I'm going to try to give my best Eric Schwartzman imitation. Let's see. Robert Scoble goes on the record about how new media is changing the way you look at. Do you know where that comes <laughs> that's from? Excellent. Do you yeah. know where that comes from? <laughs> that's Trilly, right. Charlie Rose. Because oh, okay. that's his okay. that's
3: his format. His format is he introduces the guest, goes to a soundbite, they play the sponsor clip, and then they play the interview.
2: Well, okay. So our turn now, right? Uh, for immediate release, the Hobson Helps, Helps report is the first original podcast in the communication profession. Shell and I do this twice a week on Mondays and Thursdays, and we have listeners in 55-plus countries. So we welcome you to this mashup edition of FIR Otro, and we look forward to you tuning in to the regular show next monday
1: and you can find us at www4 biz. and as long as you kick this off by talking about the number of jews in the room uh-huh. uh, i'll <laughs> also mention my
0: wife's podcast which is your jewish neighborhood nice okay and since i'm can i plug my podcast please do. go for please it, it. Yeah, please please it. Do. this is do a great podcast yeah. if people Cheers. are listening you probably have no clue who i am i do a rock and roll podcast it's, it's called the rock excellent. and roll geek show the original rock and roll podcast and rockandrollgeek.com quite easy Yep. Oh, I appreciate it. if you just give it a listen. You might like it. All I right, everybody, it. thanks for coming on and I think this was a good time. Thank
2: you, man. All right. Oh, terrific. Thanks. thanks. Yep. Stop
0: the presses.
2: You've been listening to
3: On the Record Online with Eric Schwartzman.
0: Stop oh, oh, the Presses.